Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. I'm Rachel Marshall and I'm here with my co-host Bruce Wainer this morning. And we also have a special guest. Mark Badiato. I should probably have asked you how to pronounce your name and make sure I'm saying it correctly before we get going. You did it pretty good. You got to use your hand though. Say Batiato. Okay, there we go. Mark Batiato. Okay. So the great thing about Mark Batiato is that he has a tremendous amount of life experience he's going to be sharing with us today. He is the co-founder of Growth into Greatness Institute. He's also the author of Geronimo He's an entrepreneur and he's a coach that really is always helping people to see their potential and have a game plan to live the best version of themselves. So I'm really excited to bring Mark into the show today. Um, Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Great to be here. Excellent. And good morning, Bruce, as well. How are you doing today? Good morning, Rachel. Um, When we bring guests on, it's one of my favorite segments because I think... uh, we enrich people's lives by actually bringing in different perspectives. Um, But at the same time, you know, I think we, we move forward in our lives having that different perspective, but also surrounding ourselves with people that have the same mindset. That's how we get, uh, we move ourselves forward. So interesting how uh, Mark and I came about is um, uh, I'm involved with a couple of different groups in St. Louis and, um, uh, a particular uh, relationship um, was also involved into a group called Hills Angels with Tom Hill. And um, he and Mark, I guess, had crossed paths at some time. And uh, Mark was looking for somebody, I think, with a, with a similar mindset. And, and that's, what you, what, that's what happens when you go out and get out of your office and start meeting people. I tell this to I tell this to all our junior advisors and consultants all the time. I'm, I say, quit sitting in your office and playing advisor. Quit sitting in your office and playing consultant because there's so many people out there that can enrich your lives. And I'm so blessed to have met uh, Mark and his wife. And, uh, you know, whether we, we uh, help each other in a, in a business profile, that's, that'll be great but just knowing him on a personal level. And that's part of the reason I wanted to bring him on today is to actually help our business owners enrich their lives on a personal level. I love that so much. And um, thank you, Bruce, for introducing me to Mark as well. And so let's go ahead and jump into, Mark, your story. What has brought you to this season of life that you're in right now? Just walk us through your life journey. Well, before I do that, I'll just, I'll just mention something which uh, Bruce just mentioned about, uh, you know, surround yourself and, and with other people. And then you mentioned something about knowledge. And um, someone once said to me, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And knowledge is, you know, it's from the world pretty much. And wisdom is, is from the good book, you know. Uh, and wisdom is a different plane. So I... I you know, I, I think that, um, like this morning, I was up early, and you know, wisdom. You know, all you got to do is go to the Book of Proverbs. Oh yeah. And uh, there's 31 days in Proverbs, and there's 31 lessons short. And today was the 11th. It's uh, March 11th, and you know, you can read, and it really can point you to like, hey, what do I need to? We focus on what's the wisdom for me today to, to listen to. And it was kind of interesting because what Bruce was saying, uh, one of the Proverbs that's been, it's actually inside my folder uh, of all the things I send out to people, but it was Proverbs eleven fourteen, And it says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multiple counsel, counselors, there is vic- there's victory, there's safety. Mm, that's so, good. You know, and then what Bruce was just saying about who do you surround yourself with? And, uh, you know, there's a law called the law of the inner circle that John Maxwell talks about in his leadership's book. Mm-hmm. And he said, your advisors will either make you or break you. And he said, so, you know, every leader 
just like the people on your show, leaders, people running their own businesses, you know, they have to choose their inner, inner circle. So how do you choose those people? And there was eight things that uh, Maxwell said. He said the eight things were choose creative people, choose loyal people, choose people who share your vision. Right, you said something about vision earlier, Rachel. Uh, without vision, there's that other wisdom. Without vision, the people perish. Mm-hmm. So now, when I always thought that when that was said, that when he said perish, that I thought people actually die. But that's not the true meaning of it. A pastor once said, no, people just perish. They're like zombies. You know, there's so many movies about zombies today. You know, they're just living dead. They're walking around with no purpose, no desire they just wake up and they're you know there's there's, they turn on their tv right you know and then or the newspaper just like i read on facebook this morning i don't know if you can see this but i I printed it out it said help prevent the spread of coronavirus turn off your tv right exactly (laughs) you know know, be careful like jim Rohn always said be careful what you feed your mind your Mm -hmm. your soul morning like what is your meditation in the morning is your meditation on money because uh, most people's meditation like joseph campbell said is they meditate on money all day Mm -hmm. and uh, so you're meditating on the news you might have meditated on a coronavirus i'm not saying not not to be aware of things but Mm -hmm. like people are calling me now because i have a retreat in a month hey are you going to postpone your retreat your summit and i'm saying no I mean, the show must go on. I'm not going to let the fears of the, the world, and not that you shouldn't take precautions, but, mm-hmm. you know, but the same thing when, you, when a Unabomber comes in, the World Trade Center, are you supposed to shut down your life? No, right. you, you, you know, so, you know, people who share your vision, hey, the fourth one was wise and intelligent people to try to surround yourself with, people with complimentary gifts. Number five, people with influence, number six, people of faith, number seven, and people of integrity. Now, so how do you find those people? Well, it's not like they're going to knock on your door. You, you have to, like Bruce said, you have to go out and, and go search for them. Like my mentor Jim Rohn said, you, know, you just have to show up to everything. You know, uh, you know, you never know who that one person is going to be that you're going to meet. And uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of the – the law of the inner circle surround yourself like my one of my friends said when my kids were little you know or my my kids were teenagers and my daughter was going through a tough period just like we all do and i i said to her show me your friends and i'll show you your future mm-hmm. so if your friends are out there partying doing drugs or your friends are just living it up and going out bar hopping every day well if that's your future okay that's fine it's your choice but Show me your friends who are on a path. Show me your friends like her reading books or taking courses, hanging around people that know more. That's what Jim Rohn said to me. He said, Mark, you got to find people who read books, take courses, hang around people who know more than you. So I'm, I'm not no expert. I, you know, I, 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 I took that advice. Okay, surround yourself with people who know more than you. Mm-hmm. And then that's how you can, you know, advance yourself and, and be around people who are curious, people who, wonder about things you know that's a beautiful word wonder you know wonder uh the things are not going well in your life things you're, you just got divorced something just happened to one of your kids and say i wonder i wonder what this means i wonder because you know there's a saying when when you're crying god's smiling and then when god when, you, when you're smiling god's crying because he sees the future you know we're all positions are temporary one of my friends, Bill Bailey, a mentor of mine, used to say, all positions are temporary except the one. And, you know, he pointed his finger up at the sky and he said, so let that give hope to the poor and caution to the rich. Mm-hmm. You know, so you see that now happening again, like, like nine years ago, people were freaking out stock market. You, you see that happening all the time now. Let that give hope to the poor, caution to the rich. All things are temporary. Don't freak out. Just stay the course. You know what I mean? Just like yes. all your people, stay the course. There's always, you know, something in it. And watch how you react to it. How are your emotions? I remember nine years ago my, when the stock market was tumbling, my brother from Chicago called me and said, my brother Vic, and said, hey, man, are you freaking out? The market's probably losing money. And I'm like, I said, Vic, all positions are temporary. Let them give hope to the poor and caution to the rich. And then he starts laughing. He goes, well, you know why I'm not freaking out or 
Anthony goes, I go, no. And he goes, because I don't have any money in the market. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, you know, that's good then, I guess. <laughs> For you, it works, you know. But, right. you know, we're supposed to be good stewards. We're supposed to be, uh, you know, have integrity. Like, you know, you know, nobody's perfect. Like David, you know, uh, he was a man after God's heart, but he did a lot of things that weren't right. But still, people that you say, well, who, how do you find out who's integrity-based? Well, see what they follow. See what they watch. See what they do. See what they read. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to – someone has, has failures. We all do. But – are they going back? Are they, are they following a certain purpose, a higher purpose? And uh, so anyway, I just wanted to start off with that. I mean, I, I know your, your answer, your question was, you know, how did you get started? And I, and you know, it's like anything in life. You, um, you know, I, I was watching a little clip of the last samurai, you know, uh, and there's a clip in there where he said, so the, the master says to, or to uh, Tom Cruise, he said, so you believe a man can change his destiny? And Tom Cruise says, I believe a man does all he can until his destiny is revealed. So all you can do is keep, keep doing the best you can, keep plugging away. Your, your destiny will be, be revealed. It'll show up. It'll, probably not the timing you think because <laughs> not, you know, we all want it now. You know, we all want the BMW when we're 16, you know, my kids like, Oh, can I get a BMW when I'm 16? I'm like, come on. <laughs> you know? you got to work for that one. Delayed gratification. Oh uh, yes. You know, I remember uh, one time my father-in-law ran a business school for a dentist and I worked for him and I was uh, engaged to his daughter, dating his daughter. And or before that I was dating, I worked at 3M company and they had an advertising division back then. They actually had billboards, 3M and, uh, and I remember I won this trip and uh, you could take somebody and the trip was to Italy and uh, Switzerland or no, I was to, uh, yeah, it was Italy, Switzerland. And so I took, I asked Christy, my, my girlfriend, my, you know, I was in, so I took her and I remember sitting down with my father-in-law a couple months later and we had all these photos and he didn't want to look at them. I was like, well, don't you want to see these? But he goes, no, not really. I'm like, what, what's up? He goes, he goes, uh, you know, I never would have done what you did, Mark, taking uh, uh, someone I'm not married to uh, on a trip like that. And I never would have done that. And I'm like, and so being the kind of smart aleck, and I said, why, can't you, you couldn't afford it then? Or you didn't, <laughs> he goes, no, it was more of an integrity thing. I wouldn't, I just would have done that when I'm, he goes, now what do you got to look forward to? He goes, you just went on the best trip of your life. When you get married, what are you going to do when you get married? Where are you going to take her then? And uh, I, I just thought about it. I was like, well, that, that makes a little bit of sense. And uh, you know, so uh, I don't even know where that was going, but you know, it's just well, like I think there's go. a lot of there's so many threads in this, and Bruce, I'm sure you your mind is exploding as well with a million different ways that we could take this conversation. Um, but one thing I do want to just point out is really amazing that you not only have this huge desire. I mean, you've mentioned several mentors and people that you followed and that have wisdom. So that was first one thing that was just tr tremendously apparent, and then. You're talking about this mindset and how you live your life surrounding yourself with people that are wise. And you're talking about all of these personal growth elements of your life. And then you threw in a, a piece about your father-in-law um, running a business school for dentists as well. So just yeah. um, just share with us right now, because I know you have a business school for dentists and uh, maybe you would say it differently, but tell sure. us what, what is the Growth for Greatness Institute? And then let's go back and how, how did that come about that you began yeah. that? Yeah, good question. Um, so, yeah, my father-in-law had the business school for dentistry called the Center for Professional Development. And that's how I got into dentistry um, because I married his daughter, Christy, and then I, I ended up getting interviewed by them and then started working there for eight years. And I really was an eye-opener because I had my own business before that that failed. Um, I had a direct sales company, health club promotions, and... Um, so I wasn't a reader back there. I didn't read, read books. I, I got my college degree at ASU in marketing, that whippity-skippity-doo, that really didn't teach me anything about life, didn't teach you how to invest money, how to be good at time management, how to communicate, how to raise the life kids. skills, right? Yeah, exactly. But it was a degree, like it's a passport to get into higher learning. Mm -hmm. It's like my father-in-law used to tell Dennis when he lectured, you know, your dental degree is just a certificate to take higher learning to get into other classes you couldn't have got into. So I worked there for eight years and then I went out on my own 
uh, moved to Oregon. And my mentor, I had a mentor I met uh, through, uh, it's called Bill Bailey, uh, William Bailey. He, uh, he was friends with Jim Rohn. And uh, so I got to be close with both of them. And uh, during this transition, Bill, um, his, his whole theme was uh, growth into greatness. It's a process. And greatness is not about you. It's about others. It's about serving other people. And so uh, when I was thinking about this company, you know, I said, hey, you know what? Could I use that growth into greatness institute? You know, use that, those words? And he goes, yeah, I don't own none or anything. And so that's how the growth and the greatness institute started it was just myself and then i had a partner who worked at the business school and brought her on and then we started kind of teaching the philosophy of my father-in-law taught at the business school that profitability is more important than production uh smaller is better uh, matter of fact there's a there's a quote my father-in-law used to have on his emails and it was from albert einstein it's pretty pretty interesting quote Albert Einstein, a lot of people don't ever hear about unless you read his books, but he said, any, Albert Einstein, any fool can make things bigger, more complex and violent. It takes a touch of genius and a lot of courage to move in the opposite direction. So, you know, we're always talking about bigger and better. Let's get a bigger home and, you know, things will be better, bigger house, bigger car, bigger boat, bigger yacht, bigger plane, whatever you're into. I'm not saying those things are bad, but it's just kind of interesting. Like when I lived in Oregon and now I live here in Scottsdale, Arizona, which are beautiful places. It seems like the higher you move up in the neighborhood, the bigger the homes. Like when I lived in Oregon, I used to ride up the street up uh, on my bike and the higher you went up, it was interesting on Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, there was no hardly any cars in the driveway. Mm. And then you go down into the valley and then these smaller homes and not a lot of there's tons of cars. It was just I, I, an interesting perspective I saw. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, it's okay to have wealth, but you know, a lot of times wealth can bring a lot of things that you don't really realize into your life, and people get jealous, envious. You know, people want your money, like you know, and they, you know, you got so it's just interesting. And then, so basically, the principles of the business school I took into growth and the greatness, which was getting control of time, money, and energy. Those are the three things. And all of us struggle with that in life. How do we get control of our time, our money, and then energy? Where do we put our energy? How do we balance our life if that's such a thing that's even possible? And then how do we get control of money, which I'm still working on today. Um, I'm not there. I'll never be there. You know, it's like I heard a quote one time that said, uh, you know, when you die, you're going to have 48 hours left of work to do. You're never going to get finished, you know. So just take one day at a time, like I was reading this morning, you know, in Matthew, like, you know, God gives you one day at a time. Don't worry about the future. Mm-hmm. Not that you should have concerns or a plan, but the, like he said, that today has enough troubles of, it, of its own, you know, so don't worry about tomorrow. Just try to focus on doing the best you can today. Like you said earlier, be the best version of you. And that was mm-hmm. one thing I had to learn, you know, struggle as a teenager growing up. You, you want to copy people. You want to you model things. That was one of the things at business school. Mm-hmm. Get good models. Like Bruce has good models, your financial institution. Find good models because models can be duplicated and models can guide you. But if you don't have any models, role models, good business models, you're kind of drifting. You know, you're kind of out there in a boat and the waves can take you wherever you want to go. So you just you try to get good mentors, good role models. My father-in-law had great models like cash flow models like you guys do you know, business models, personal growth models, what kind of books should you read? You know, that was something I didn't even think about. You know, in college, I hated reading. And the first week at my business school, when I, my business failed, um, you know, I owed everybody. And, uh, you know, in the first week at the business school, my father-in-law gave me three books. And I'm not a reader. And the three books were The Richest Man in Babylon. Yes. Oh, yeah, very good. Great book. The Seven Habits, Highly Effective People by Stephen mm-hmm. Which is a pretty, it's a, that's not an easy read. Yeah, I'd rather listen to the tapes, but, you know, and then uh, The E-Myth by Mark Michael Gerber, mm-hmm. you know, the entrepreneurial myth. Yes. And I remember he I said, you, know, you need to read The E-Myth first. I'm like, okay. So it's not really a big book. Um, chapters are small. But I remember like the, after the first week there, he came in my cubicle 
And he said, hey, Mark, how's it going on the E-Myth book? I'm like, well, uh, I'm on chapter two. And he's like, and then he got, he got upset. He's like, what the hell, Mark? He goes, you need to have that book finished by now. I mean, you, your business failed, and uh, you need to understand why it failed. And I'm like, oh, I didn't say this to him. I'm like, chill out, dude. I just married your daughter. You know, <laughs> give me some grace. <laughs> but I realized later on that he, you know, he was a pusher. He was a driver personality type, and sometimes those people can. But I, I, he was just trying to push me to get better. And I, when I read the book, I realized, wow, you know, because the e-myth to, for your people that haven't read that book, for anybody starting a business or in a business, they really should read that book, even though it's 20 years old plus. Mm-hmm. But the myth is that most people aren't entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are future focused. Most people who start a business are technicians. They're, they're good at something. They, they, they can make pizzas so they open a pizza place. They're good at cutting hair so they open a hairstyle. That doesn't mean, you know, all the other aspects of managing. Like when I opened my business, that's why I failed in five years. The average business fails. 80% of businesses fail within five years. And then the 20% that are left, 80% of those fail. So the survival rate of the business. So if you're not understanding things and reading, like when I read that book, I realized, oh, I know why my business failed. I never realized it because I was the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur is the visionary. Then there's the manager and the technician. The manager lives in the present. Or the, or the, the manager is the, the past. They're looking at the numbers, looking at the data. And then the technician, where does that person live? They live in the now. They're the doer. Mm-hmm. Well, I was the entrepreneur, which sounds neat and cool. I had the vision of everything, but I wasn't good at managing the numbers. I didn't look at systems. I just kind of worked hard, but hoping everything would come together. And like people said, hope is a good is a good thing, but it's not a great game plan strategy. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so you have to be all three to run a successful business. Well, guess what? None of us are all good at all three of those. So that's what goes back to the beginning. Surround yourself with other people who have gifts that can help you with look at those. When I read that book, I realized, wow, I know why that business failed now because I didn't have any systems. And, uh, you know, it's funny how your mind thinks like, like on this call, you know, I can go in a lot of different directions. I can kind of move around, but I thought, well, systems, I don't want systems because they're just going to tie me down. I don't want to be tied down to a system. Mm-hmm. But so you were system, thinking that as an entrepreneur in a business yeah. that you're thinking I'm visionary. I don't yeah. want a system yet to bog me down. Right. Okay. So, but then I realized reading the book that systems are there to free you up. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a, there was a book I had, I was, oh, oh yeah. A lot of people didn't read this, but uh, Ken Blanchard and Don Shula wrote a book uh, way back called The Overlearning System. It was called The Over- it was, But basically, the secret was the essence of coaching or anything are the attention to details and monitoring results. These are which help leaders realize and accomplish their goals. This is what Shula calls the overlearning, the overpreparation that Shula, Coach Shula, exists as based on his overlearning system. Now, listen to this. Not, most people don't say this. The over the uh, the overlearning says limiting the number of goals and things players work on, cutting down on players' practice errors, making players master assignments so they can operate on autopilot and operating on a philosophy of continuous improvement. He believes in achieving practice perfection or excellence. So, so I would hear about- from that that focus on less things, do that one thing with excellence and stay in your role, but surround yourself with the people that are maybe make up that deficit. If you're the entrepreneur, then have the other person who's the systems person on your team, right? I think Russell Russell Brunson calls it the hacker, the hustler, and I can't remember. There's like three terms, but it's the exact same concept that you're talking about. Yeah, that was a book called Mastery by George Leonard. You talk about the hacker, the master, yeah, the obsessive, and the dabbler. But like Oprah Winfrey once said, you know, stay in your lane, mm-hmm. you know, so know what your lane is, how, you know, like, you know, people are trying to get her to run for president. Well, hopefully she's wise enough to stay in her lane, you know, I mean, <laughs> so, but anyway. So uh, let's bring that though. So you're, you have this growth into greatness Institute where you're training dentists and I'm hearing you're talking about profitability, this control of time and money and energy. Right. How does, where would you say the number one maybe failure point or weakness of most people in that industry, which I would say probably will relate over into other industries as well. What is the thing that holds them back from being 
as great as they could be and having as much profitability as they could? What, what's that thing that holds them back? The number one thing. Well, I'm sure there's off. a lot of things. I'll, I'll, you know, cause I'm into reading and quotes, but this might not be your, what people want to hear, but Gandhi said this a long time ago. He said, as human beings, our greatness lies not in the ability to remake the world as in being able to remake ourselves. So you have to rediscover, you know, what your purpose is, why you're doing what you're doing. Like Mark Twain said, the two greatest days in life are the day you were born and the day you figure out why. You know, like mm -hmm. there's a book, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Your reader, your, your people should read that book. It's like, what's your why? Because whenever time you write a system or anything you do in life, why am I doing this? Like, you know, if you don't know the why, then why would you even go in that direction? Or if you don't know the why, then you might be going off in a, a bad direction and it's not going to lead you to where you want to go. So what's your why? Why are you doing what you're doing? What's your purpose? And, uh, you know, then figure those out because that'll help you to move, keep moving forward. And then you got to say to yourself, then you have to be vulnerable. Like Renee Brown has written a lot of stuff in the last couple of years, TED Talks. Mm -hmm. You have to be vulnerable. Like in the book, Good to Great, you know, Jim Collins talks about a level five leader. What makes those leaders great in an organization? And he said, they're vulnerable. They, they say to their people, you know what? I don't know the answer. Can you help me out? I don't have it all together. And people, when you do that with people, actually people want to help you more. They're going up as a leader. I know what I'm doing. I know the path. I'm great. I know I built this company. I'm a self-made man. You know, all that kind of garbage. Nobody's a self-made man. You hear that? Mm -hmm. Everybody's had people help them. You had your oh, parents, absolutely. You're not self-made. You didn't create yourself. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, so, you know, you have to humble yourself. You have to be vulnerable. And you have to say, you know what? Um, I'm not there. You know, like Coach John Wooden said to his people, his players, you know, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. So it's very humbling. You know, I used mm -hmm. to say that to my son all the time when he was a teenager. He hated that because he was a basketball player. And I, he'd always say, oh, Dad, I know that already. Don't tell me. I, no, I don't need to hear that from you. I said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Mm -hmm. So, you're, you know, if you have that spirit, you know, like John Maxwell said, the most important thing in that when you're hiring a person is do they have a spirit of learning? Are they, uh, are they a giver or are they a taker? And you want to, that was one of the things that it wasn't in those inner circles, hang around people who are givers, not takers. You can spot them pretty quick. You've been around. Takers are always going to just want more and more. Take, take, take. And the givers are there like, I want just want to give out more, uh, help other people, share my knowledge and wisdom, not expecting anything in return. Mm -hmm. Because if you expect a lot from people, you're going to be disappointed. Like, you know, Benjamin Franklin said, you know, so, so you know, expect, expect from yourself first, mm -hmm. like, and then, you know, then you can be a, a lot easier on other people, but you know. So can yeah. you tell us, so you have a passion. I see tremendous passion for personal development and how, yeah. how can you, maybe this could um, just be able to bring this into reality really tangibly for our listeners, but how has personal development been a part of you helping other business owners succeed? All right. Well, personal development, I think is lost in the world today. I mean, especially in the generation where my kids are living in and, you know, even myself, I, I wasn't in the I, personal development. What do you mean by that? The only reason you know, I got turned on to that is my, I started listening to Jim Rohn's tapes, uh, JimRohn.com. I would say that's the best resource if you have kids, teenagers, people in your organization. Buy those DVDs or get those and hand them out to people because his wisdom and his way he speaks. There's there's no been no other person in my life who he's not a motivational speaker like Tony Robbins. Not to put that down or anything. He's an inspirational speaker and he makes you think about things think hey about mark hey mark can you tell the audience because i was impressed by tell how you met jim roan and that whole um well just tell the story because it's it's kind of a it, it tells the it tells a lot about jim himself yeah like um i went listening to jim roan tapes and so forth and one you know he lectures all over the country and then my my brother-in-law said hey he's lecturing in chicago where i grew up and it was a two-day course, so we flew out there, and I never met him before. And then, uh, so the second day, he's lecturing, and he goes, Jim Rohn says, hey, my mentor's in the audience, and we're thinking, 
because his, his mentor was Earl Shove that he said he got all his guidance from. I think his mentor's dead. How, who's he talking about? And he, he said, uh, William E. Bailey uh, is in the audience today, and I want to have him stand up because he's who, who, he's who I go to for my spiritual knowledge, wisdom, and business ideas. And so Bill Bailey stands up, and everybody's like, who is this guy? And so in that conference after the break, everybody's, my brother-in-law said, let's go meet Bill Bailey. And I'm like, nah, he's like sworn with people, you know? And I'm like, nah, I don't want to bother him. And so, you know, Spade would have it the last day of the conference. I'm in the, I'm in the men's room. And then all of a sudden Bill Bailey stands right next to me in the stall. And I look up and I'm like, he's a tall guy. And he's like, I'm here, Bill Bailey. He goes, yes. And he goes, I, he goes, I'd shake your hand right now, but I don't think it's the right time. So he goes, <laughs> me outside. He made me outside, and so I, I, I waited for him. <laughs> and so uh, we start talking, and he's from Kentucky. He's uh, Bill Bailey's Horatio Alger Award recipient, which many people don't know what that means, but every year there's, there's a Horatio Award ceremony, and three people in the world get nominated on stage, people that have made something of themselves in life, but given back. Oh, and wow. Bill Bailey, uh, was the recipient in 1972 with Ray Kroc and Russ Perot. Now, people know who Ray Kroc, McDonald's, Russ Perot, but Bill Bailey, he started a company, soap company, and Jim Rohn worked for him, and he made a lot of money, and he gave a lot to orphanages. And um, so Bill uh, is asking me where I live, and I said, I live in Arizona. He goes, oh, Arizona, I love the golf. My golf is my passion. He goes, can I come out and visit you and play golf with you? And I'm like, I'm like, sure, like you're going to really do that, you know? And uh, lo and behold, it's like, show up. And uh, I gave him my number, and like uh, two weeks later, he calls me, hey, um, I'm thinking about coming to Arizona. Do you mind if I stay at your house? And I'm like, <laughs> like I had two little kids. My wife, I said, yeah, you could stay. And I'm like, my, I tell my wife, this guy's coming out. And she goes, his name's Bill Bates. Who is this guy? And he goes, well, he was Jim Rohn's mentor. And he goes, well, okay. So <laughs> he comes out, and... Um, he stays with us. We play golf, and uh, and then this that relationship then was just after we met. Like every week, he would call me on Mondays, mm-hmm. like clockwork, and he would just we would talk about life principles, philosophy, and he was the one that really gave me the courage to start the Growth and the Greatness Institute. And oh wow! And move forward and say you know you can do this, and you know and gave gave me some you know, the inspiration to keep moving forward. And that's why I say nobody does it on their own. There's no such thing as a self-made man. And then from there, uh, Bill and Jim were good friends. So then we started connecting and I did some retreats with Bill Bailey and Jim Rohn called Secrets from the Mountain, which were spiritual lessons for success in life. And then we did these retreats in Montana or Seattle and and I got to go to Jim Rohn's house. It was just like, you know, so you, you don't plan those things. I mean, like you just mm-hmm. have to show and then destiny and then things happen and you know you're just grateful and like for like my father-in-law and for bill bailey and jim Rohn, they're passed away now Mm -hmm. but every day i think of them because of their knowledge and wisdom and you don't have to you don't thing is you don't have to that's why books are so great because you can you don't have to know those people but you can read about them and they one thing in a book can change your life like jim Rohn says one thought one sermon Mm -hmm. you know they just got to you just got to be, be ready to show up and read. Even if it's only 10 minutes a day, like there's a chart called, I think it's in the book, the Geronimo book. Yes, it is. I can show it. Yeah, the period of destiny. And it's, a, it's like every day we have 24 hours, but then there's a one section called the period of destiny. And it's pretty cool where it's called recreate and study your period of destiny. And most people don't think about that in their lives. They, so my period of destiny was um, like I come home from work and usually the kids are young and my daughter, we had a trampoline and, you know, every, every time I actually wanted to jump on a trampoline. So either my period of destiny, I could come home and say, Hey, Sophia, now nah, I just got home. I'm tired. I, I just want a, a beer and watch the sports game or not that that's bad or anything, but, or I could say, you know what? I only have a limited time with my daughter and my son. I'm going to go jump on that trampoline and make this period of destiny your period of destiny, mm-hmm. walking, you know, with your wife, you know, it could be, you know, reading a book, it could be exercising. What are you doing each day to focus on uh, your period of destiny? Because it'd be like Maxwell, Glidewell, or whatever that guy is, 10 years, you do something, you become an expert or something, a master, just yeah. a little bit every day, 
So that really helped me when I, with my kids growing up, because I remember Bill Bailey one time, the second time he came to my house, my son was five, Brandon. And he said, Mark, can I call me? He said, can I talk to you in your office? I said, sure. And he goes, I sat down. He goes, you're effing up your life, Mark. I'm like, what? He goes, you're traveling like a madman. You're never home. You're flying all over the place like I did, building my company. And he goes, I trade everything back. I made $70 million a month. I had yachts, planes. He goes, I had three kids. I don't even know my kids today. They're older. I don't even have a relationship with them. Mm. You're going down the same path. And he said, you better, you better do, don't do what I did because you won't have a relationship with your kids. And he said, you have 10 summers left with Brandon. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, 10 summers. I go, what do you mean? He's like, 10 summers, 15. When he's 15, he's not going to want to spend time with you. So you better make sure this summer and the next nine, he goes, you better take one week with Brandon, just you and him and go somewhere. You better take one week with Sophia, just you and her. One week as a family, one week with your wife. And if you don't do that, you're blowing it. Mm. Like, you're, like there was that saying that said, no amount of success in the world can make up for a failure at home. Oh, absolutely. You know, so, you know, that really woke me up. I, I was perfect with that week off with each of them because the older they got, they'd say, can I only spend three days with you, dad? You know, <laughs> but unless I said I'm going to Maui, oh, then I'll spend 10 days with you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, you got nice. It. But, uh, you know, so just little things like that. But uh, Well, it's really, so, in- go ahead, Bruce. Well, I'm just saying, Mark, you know, um, I, I knew who Jim Rohn uh, was. Or is I guess I should say, um, but I'm a, you know when I met you and knew that you were so close to him, you know I wanted that's why I, you know I'm so interested in everything that you have become because of him, um, so you know I I hope it's all right if I keep you know uh, pulling and that I'll stuff, say, stuff out of you. Uh, Bill Bailey was even more of a greater influence because Jim Rohn didn't call me every week. I saw him at the retreats, but Bill was the one that. I gained a lot. And I have actually tapes from Bill Bailey and his book, Rhythms of Life. And I taped some of his, he's got one thing called the Nine Laws of Discovery, which I'm going to, if we ever do another podcast, those would be really cool to bring up the Nine Laws of Discovery that ran his life that he never published, but are very amazing uh, laws of discovery. And, but yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, no one does it alone. No man is an island. Like John Donne says in his poem, we're all each connected. We're all part of the continent. And if one soul diminishes in this life, so does mine. So we're all connected and, you know, we can all, you know, learn from each other. And that's why I see that, you know, for an entrepreneur, for people in business, you can't do it alone. You know, there's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that Bill Bailey said to me. He said at age 40, he discovered the most important thing was, I can't, I got to ask for help. And uh, you don't think that's a big thing, but he said, I always would do it on my own. That's how I was too. I'm, I, I, this is going to be right. I got to do it. And he realized, you know, I got to ask for help from other people. And then he said when he did that, it took him five years, he said, to feel okay internally with asking someone for help. And so I told my son. That's just so fascinating how sometimes you do the right thing even when you don't feel like it's natural and it doesn't come easily yeah. to you, but you know that it's the right thing for your growth. I mean, I think that's, that's what I got primarily out of your book, Geronimo, Growth into Greatness yeah. or Jumps. It was these jumps that you take into greatness as well. It's never comfortable. It's never, you said asking for help, it might not feel like the right thing, but you are absolutely needing to do this thing yeah. in order to progress. And and like for men, five years, that's for men, you know, for men, you know, like you said, we don't want to ask for help. Number one, I told my son when he was little, I always said, when you ask for help, it's a sign of strength, not weakness. Most men think when they ask for help, it's a sign of weakness. Like people say, oh, you have to ride that spiritual stuff. That's a sign you're not strong. No, when you're strong, when you're weak, then he is strong in you. So you, you, you know, like, John Alperidge wrote a book called Wild at Heart. And he said the five most important words you can tell your son every day is you got what it takes. You got what it takes. You got what it takes. You you know, the four or five words. And because as men, whether we believe this or not, we're always doubting ourselves. 
as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you're like, are you, are you, like Jack Welsh who just passed away. You, 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 you know, he said, you're afraid. You go home at night and you're thinking, am I going to blow this thing up? Is it going to be working next month? We're always doubting, you know, do I have what it takes in my marriage? Do I have what it takes in the business to raise, to raise my kids, to be financially sound? Do I have what it takes, takes, you know, we're always doubting that. So, you know, understand that doubts makes traitors of us all, as Shakespeare said. So we're all going to have doubts, but then how do you, you know, get those doubts out? You got to hang around people that are positive, that are moving forward. And it's easy to hang around the negative things. You know, that's like I said, I'm not saying don't watch whatever you're watching, Fox, CNN, doesn't really matter. It's like, be careful the, the, the voices you're letting into your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, people always doubt themselves. So I always told people, well, listen to the voice of truth then. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, there's one voice that's going to give you truth all the time. Your, your parents, some of the people you're closest to could be your worst negative non-sayers. They could be saying, oh, that ain't going to work. Don't do that. You don't pursue this. You're not, you're not good enough at that. But hang around people who are encouraging you, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, planning. Well, it's interesting when you say the voice of truth. It's, I had an experience recently after my daughter was born in May of last year. She's nine months now, but I almost died right after that happened. And wow. I was very near death. I ended up having, uh, I hemorrhaged. I, my uterus wouldn't clamp. I was in ICU for 24 hours after emergency surgery. And I think they'd given me eight units of blood, which is like my whole body was wow. yeah. made, made kept alive by someone else donating blood. Yeah. It was just, it was wow. fascinating. But looking at that whole situation from afterwards, it's just interesting because a situation like that for me just opened my eyes to realize that there is that voice of truth, that there is absolutely a purpose for each of us. I felt it very viscerally for myself, but knowing that if I'm here on this earth, as you are, as Bruce is, as anyone who's listening to this show, if you are here, there is an absolute reason that you are here. And we shouldn't doubt that. We all do carry those doubts, but at the same time, that voice of truth is you have a a reason and a purpose. And so walk in that destiny. So Wow, that's powerful. But you know, it's it's hard that you have that experience, but it's actually a beautiful gift because just like most people in life, something has to happen, a heart attack, you lose your spouse, a divorce happens, somebody dies, and then you, you start waking up, you know, and uh, start thinking about things a little bit differently. What's your oh, higher- tremendously. tremendously. Hey, Mark, um, I, we'd be remiss if we didn't get to at your actual book. So I know there's a, a, a variety of reasons why you would have, why you wrote the book. But uh, why don't you share some of those reasons with... I probably have to say that the reason that title of that book came about is because my Sophia, Sophia, my daughter, which Sophia means wisdom. Mm -hmm. I know (laughs) that. I love that name. So uh, she's very wise. uh, But uh, when I was living in Oregon, I had... My wife kept pushing me, you need to write a book. And I had like different titles. I just never... I started them and I wouldn't move ahead. And uh, so we moved uh, back to Arizona the home my daughter told me to look at was this home and I didn't even think about it that then, but it's the home we're living in now. And I wanted, when I drove up to the street, it was, the street is called Geronimo. You know, <laughs> I have to say, Mark, I noticed that address when I think I was on your website or something. And I thought to myself, <laughs> did the street get named after you or did you name the book oh, after yeah. the street? I was I've, been, <laughs> I've been on Oprah all over the world and they just named the street after me. Yeah, they <laughs> <never> <laughs> <laughs> uh, Geronimo. And uh, so, I didn't think of it right away, but then I'm thinking about it. I looked up the word Geronimo, and that's why in the back of the book it has the definitions. There's like really interesting definitions of the word Geronimo. I mean, one of them is you jump out of a plane, Indian. People used to say Geronimo, and it's a leap of faith. And, but it's also some very deep meanings about love and, and so forth. And I'm thinking, wow, this is interesting, this word. And uh, so I thought, well, I, and the reason there's eight jumps is it's – the reason there's not 20 jumps or three is just, you know, it's more of a spiritual thing. The number eight in the Bible means new beginnings. Mm-hmm. Seven means completion. Five means grace. They all, the three means the Trinity. All, the numbers are very interesting. So eight, I think, okay, eight jumps. You know, and I said, well, what were the jumps in my life that I needed to do? And, you know, the book was just written mainly about things that I had to do in my life and jumps that I think you have to keep taking, not just one jump. It's yes. like the hero's journey. People don't realize Joseph Campbell's work 
it's not like you, the, the hero's journey is not just like one journey. You have to keep taking these jumps and going out into the unknown and getting knowledge and coming back and with different not wisdom and then passing it on and you grow, you change. And so I, I really wrote the book mainly. It was more of an inspiration for my kids, like to give it to my kids. And of course my two kids have a copy if they read it yet. No, <laughs> so I told them, you know what? I'm okay. I said, when I die, we'll probably, I wonder what dad said in the book, you know, maybe read it then. I remember this one story about, uh, it's a true story, a wealthy, wealthy man. Uh, when he passed away, his nephews and cousins, and they all thought, you know, what my inheritance would be. And, and one of the nephews, it's a true story, it's documented, he got a Bible from his, his uh, grandfather, and he was like, I thought I was going to get like a check for a million dollars or something, you know. Two million because he was very wealthy and he was disappointed, very angry, and he put the book in the shelf. And uh, thirty years later, this nephew was going through a personal crisis, and uh, he was going through a hard season. And he saw the book that his grandfather gave him, and he said, "I'm just going to take that book." My grandfather. He started reading the book, and it's the Bible. And he got to halfway in the book, and there was an envelope in there. I and could tell where this it. is going. I'm like, oh, and I can see this. Had this a check is awesome. A million dollars in it, and guess what? It's no good now because three years later, but <laughs> yeah. the whole thing was, you know, nothing. Mm. You know, it's like uh, I read this the other day again. A funny little thing about a uh, guy. A guy says to God, "Hey, God, give me more. Can you give me? Oh, how much is how? What's what, what's a million? Or how? What's the value of time? And like how? In uh, God says, uh, time is like a uh, one day is like a million years to God. One day, and and then uh, he goes, "Guy, well, what about uh, money?" And God, the guy says, "Oh, a million dollars is like one penny to me." And the guy goes, "Well, can I have one of your pennies, God?" And goes, and "God says, yeah, you got a minute because a minute's like a million years. You know, nothing comes up, yeah. right? You no, know, everybody. Like I said earlier, I didn't really get into it, but like today's generation, everybody wants everything now." Uh, the path of least resistance or instant gratification. I mean, I have to struggle with this in my family every day. Amazon, things are coming to my house every day from Amazon. Every mm -hmm. And then you can order something, it's there an hour later. It's like you get it instantly and it's like even photographs, now you take it on your phone, it's like you don't have to wait to be developed. You don't have that anticipation. It's just there right away. And that's the thing, you know, life is not like that. You have to put in the time, pay the price, step up and pay the price. Oh, discontented man, you know, because, you know, nothing is easy. And uh, if it was easy, you know, everybody's heard that everybody be doing it. But for the entrepreneurs, you know, it's a leap of faith, you know. Mm -hmm. Every day, it's a leap of faith. Every day you get out of bed, you know, the alarm clock. And I told my kids, you know, everybody calls that the alarm clock. You should change it psychologically to the opportunity clock. When that, like that. thing goes off. Uh, you can put, press the snooze five times and keep trying to go back to sleep. I can't. Once I'm up, I, I, I start to think. You know, it's a curse. You know, so, but it's an opportunity. Are you going to make a difference today? And are you going to contribute? Mm -hmm. See, it's like that word retirement. People, I tell people, it's like the word retirement's a made-up word back in the 1800s by somebody. It's not even, it's not in the Bible. It's not in, it's just a made-up word the government made. And, you know, you can retire from your job, but you don't retire from your calling, Bob Buford said. Mm -hmm. So you might pursue something else, but if you're going to sit around all day and I'm in Arizona, I'm not going to watch the sunrise and sunset and sit in the desert or play golf every day. That's okay. It's fine. But what are you contributing? Because we're made to contribute. And when you don't contribute, you die. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I tell entrepreneurs like you guys and Bruce and myself, dentists I work with, other people that are, it's like your whole life. They say, well, if you're an entrepreneur, when you die, or if you if you quit your job or retire, you 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 pass away pretty quickly, because why? You're not contributing again, and you mm -hmm. have. I don't care. Go work at Walmart. I go to Walmart sometimes. I see these old. You'd be fascinated by some of their stories. They were pretty successful. Or I had an Uber driver take me to the airport a couple weeks ago. This guy was very successful. He goes, you know what? I just want to get out of the house a couple of days. My wife. My spouse kicks me out, so I'm just going to take people around and talk to them. I, he goes, I don't need to do this job. I just do it because I need to get out. 
and he's contributing. He's so it's just like, okay, cool. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. That's you know, awesome. They, yeah. I love just the wisdom that you're sharing and so much of it touches on different elements that we have shared on the podcast before um, that I, I won't get into today for the sake of time, but I love your take on not retiring. Um, I would agree wholeheartedly. Can you tell us real briefly, just in a nutshell, if somebody is interested in Growth Into Greatness Institute, specifically for dentists, I believe, correct? Yes. Okay. So tell uh, like, just you know, real briefly, yeah. what is that? And then how can they find you, follow your work or find out more? Right. Yeah. Greatnessinstitute.com. It's all one word. They can go to the website or they can call me directly. 541-301-0831 is my cell. And yeah, it, the growth and the greatness, it's mainly geared towards dentistry and their teams, systems, organization, profitability, you know, and all that. We spend a year with people. Um, I mean, it can apply to any business. Like we've been asked to teach us in other businesses. My partner does speak with other companies once in a while. And the book Geronimo, they can buy that on Amazon. I don't have it on my website right now. Uh, but Geronimo is something that um, I've been asked to speak on with other businesses besides dentistry. So that's been kind of cool because I take the eight jumps and then I can tie them into an organization or a business or just a church or group of dentists or team members and share those jumps because those jumps are universal and they just don't apply to one thing. They're, they're universal jumps. And so, um, but yeah, that's how they can get a hold of me and, and, uh, and so forth if they want to touch base. So. That's excellent. Well, I just wanted to say thank you to you, Mark, for sharing your wisdom today, just for um, coming in with so much energy and excitement and just sharing. I lost count of the number of quotes that you shared and the, the mentors that you mentioned and just the people that you've learned from. And it's just very obvious that you, that you esteem wisdom highly in your own life. And that has tremendously contributed to your success and then just for anybody listening, if you are in that space of looking for additional um, vision in your life or inspiration, really seek out the wisdom that's all around us everywhere. So, yeah, thank you. And if you want, I'll kind of close with this if you're closing it off. And I can send you these two and then you guys can have them on your website. But there were seven strategies that Jim Rohn talked about for a business owner or anybody uh, for a great life. and. Um, and then the, like, uh, I'll, I'll send that to you. But the, the last thing I'll share is, um, it's, it's a, called the Warrior Song. And this is what I carry with me. And uh, a lot of people have been inspired by this and asked me for a copy. But Bill Bailey uh, has a poem book called The Warrior, or The Rhythms of Life. And this is one of his favorite poems that just came to him. He was in the mountains and these words came to him. He never wrote them down until I, I met him and I, he shared them with me. And I'm like, you need to write these down. And he's, though. Mm -hmm. so, we, he made this book of things that came to him and he doesn't question the source, but the warrior song goes like this. And um, it says the sun kisses a mountaintop and glistens on its face of snow and slowly climbs in the sky above and lights the valley below. For each of us, this day awakes, a miracle takes place. For once again, we walk our earth and own all upon its face. And the past regrets and foolish fears of yesterday's cloudy mind are washed away by the light of day and seem so far behind. For each of us, reborn each day, our life renews again, and with the help of God, we will find a cause that makes us want to win. For a person without a goal in life is a person already dead. Their mind wanders from place to place and they walk with feet of lead. They have no reason to stretch their mind or spirit to stir their soul. Their name is not even in the book when destiny calls the roll. Better to take the wine of life than drink both deep and long Read each day because you're here to stay and sing your warrior song. For the battle of life is joined and you might, must fight long and true. For in the strife, it's the game of your life and the only loser is you. So gird up your loins with courage and answer the trumpet's call. And lose or win, you can say at the end, this was the greatest of all. So that's that. a beautiful way to think about life and Every day, it's a new day. Our life renews again. Have the courage. And courage is not on the battlefield, that Bill Bailey would always say. Courage is just to get up and look at yourself in the mirror, the man in the mirror poem, and say, you know what? I messed up yesterday. Or I did this 
good yesterday. I'm going to try to do this better. The courage to look within and say, you know what? Uh, this is a new day, a new beginning. I have a new chance to make a difference, a new chance to contribute. And just to talk with you guys today, you know, I'm just a, a guy who grew up in a Chicago Italian. <laughs> you know, I remember, <laughs> I remember this one guy wrote a book and he was Italian. He was speaking. And he, his dad, he told his dad he was going to write a book. And his dad kind of, I don't know if he meant this harshly, but his dad said, how are you going to write a book? You're, you only know like 50 words. <laughs> this is his response, though, which I thought was great. He goes, okay, dad, yeah, I only, I'll just mix him around a lot. <laughs> so I thought, you know, that's great. Because, you know, you've got to be willing to laugh, you know, laugh each day, cry, smile. You know, we don't know how many days we have, just like with Kobe passing away. I think that's why it was so impactful. You just don't know. Mm -hmm. Each day is a gift. People hear that all the time, but do they really pause, you know? And that's the thing. Each day, uh, I heard someone say, you know, every day he starts with um, B-I-G, which doesn't mean big, hairy, audacious goals or anything. It says, begin in gratitude. Mm -hmm. When I started doing that at the age of 70, he said it took him this long. My life changed, my whole demeanor. I now begin each day. It doesn't matter if I had the worst day, I lost my, my hand or my leg, or, but I, I, I'm thankful for what I have. And like Bill or Jim Rohn used to say, be thankful for what you have, Mark, because if you get more, you won't have any more gratitude in your heart. So whatever you have, be grateful for. And then, and then the other part was and then at noon, continue in gratitude between 6 a.m. and noon something's gonna happen some shit's gonna happen you know something's right. gonna be a phone call and you're gonna uh, okay then you gotta pause again that's what I've been doing more in my life just taking a walk pausing not with walking with my dog without the earphones on or listening to another podcast not that those are bad or anything but take a pause and just listen to the sounds of nature just go out in the wilderness just take a walk and then at the end of the day when you lay down, when I, and I forget to do this, but, you know, uh, when you right, 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 fall asleep, you know, again, what are you grateful for for that day? It could have been a bad, but if I do that, if I'm grateful when I fall asleep, when I start to say that, I'm thankful for this, I sleep really good. <laughs> you know? And so if I can leave anything with that, if you just did that in your life for the next 30 days, I, I believe me, uh, you would you would see a change in your yourself just being more grateful because when you have a grateful spirit or heart you, you cannot help but being a better person that's absolutely true absolutely better, father, better husband spouse yeah i love that and if for our listeners who are with us still at the end of this show i hope that this is really just what you needed maybe you heard one thing in this podcast today that has just really given you a different perspective and a fresh set of eyes on your current life circumstance. And I hope that this is what you needed to have that inspiration. So thank you so much, uh, Mark Battiato, for being with us today <laughs> on the show. And Bruce, I'll be seeing you soon. Yes, sir, buddy. <laughs> awesome. Remember, help spread the help stop the spread of coronavirus <laughs> off the TV. You know, exactly, exactly. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Mark. It has been All such right, a pleasure today. And for right. our listeners today, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk 
and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated, and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.